You're listening to AIB Market Talk with our latest financial market update. Hello and welcome to our weekly AIB Market Update on Tuesday the 4th of May. I'm Paul Ward from our Customer Treasury Unit and I'm joined this week by AIB's Chief Economist Oliver Mangan to discuss recent developments on the financial markets. Good morning, Ollie. Good morning, Paul. We might start with the US economy, Ollie. Uh, two things. Firstly, we had a Federal Reserve meeting last week, uh, and you might update our listeners what came out of that. But maybe firstly, we might just focus on the GDP reading for quarter one, which came in at an astonishing 6.4%. Um, what does the reading tell us about the state of the US economy? Yeah, well, it's, it's obviously a high level, but that was expected. It was very close to expectations. Now, that's an annualized rate. The, the actual increase in the quarter was 16 but the way they measured the US, they multiply that by four to give you a, an annualized or yearly rate. But that is a strong rate, obviously, uh, 6.4%. Picked up from quarter four. What it shows is that the recovery in the US economy is gaining momentum. And um, obviously, as you said, it was particularly driven by a strong rebound in um, consumer spending and business investment and housing activity. And when you look at the monthly data in terms of the various indicators, what you clearly see is the economy picked up momentum over the course of the quarter. And we saw very strong readings from a number of indicators in um, March in particular, like retail sales were up by nearly 10% in the month. We had housing starts up by nearly 20% in March. Now, they were subdued somewhat by by poor weather in February. But nonetheless, there was quite clear strengthening of activity over the course of the quarter. And that's down to two reasons. One is the rollout of vaccines, allowing for an opening up of the economy. And secondly, uh, the the first elements of the Biden fiscal stimulus package in terms of checks in the post, they call them, or income supports, actually started to feed through in March and support uh, consumer spending. So the economy is gaining momentum. And if 6.4 was good, uh, I think we're looking at stronger figures uh, in quarter two and possibly quarter three as well. We have some survey data for April, and we have these PMI surveys which show for manufacturing and services. And um, the PMI for manufacturing and it hit a record level, and the services sector, which obviously has been most impacted by the lockdowns, rebounded very, very strongly. Uh, and on top of that, then we had you know, really big increases in consumer confidence in the month as well. I mean, the, the so-called conference boards measure jumped from 109.7 to 121.7. You, you don't need to know yeah. the details of the index to realize that's a very, very big jump. So, um, you know, the, the U.S. economy is primed for very, very strong growth this year. The forecasts are that the economy could you know, grow by 6.5%, 7%, and next year could grow by around 4%. And we haven't seen back-to-back growth rates like that for, for 40 years in the U.S., and can I ask you, Ollie, does it change the house view here in terms of the uh, the, the currency pair euro dollar? Not really, because we, we, what we're seeing is activity. OK, it's lagging the US, but activity is improving the eurozone as well. And we had strong PMI data, for example, for, for April of the eurozone. And we got our GDP report for the Eurozone for quarter one. Now, obviously, a lot of the Eurozone was in lockdown, but the economy actually contracted by less than expected. It only fell by 0.6%. And obviously, the rollout of vaccines is picking up pace in the Eurozone as well. So as in Ireland, the economy will will reopen over the course of quarter two. We'll get positive GDP figures for quarter two and certainly very strong um, GDP figures expected in the Eurozone over quarter three, quarter four, as the population gets vaccinated and it fully reopens. So the markets are taking that on board. They're looking down the road here a bit. Um, and I think it, it, both the US 
and the Eurozone and indeed the UK, the data are actually printing ahead of expectations. All right. One is because the economies that are locked down, they're coping better with the lockdowns, you know, be it, be it a move towards remote working, be it deliveries in terms of services. Uh, and obviously, as they reopen, they're, they're picking up momentum at a quicker than expected pace. So activity globally is is, is gaining momentum. Uh, now, obviously, there are there are issues in some economies. You can think of Brazil and think of India, where they've had you know really serious problems in terms of the the pandemic. But more broadly speaking, the, the, you know the trend has been. If you look at the OECD, you look at the uh, IMF, you look at, at the ECB, and others, is to upgrade their forecasts for this year and next year. Uh, and another element of the equation is more and more fiscal stimulus has been added. So we have, you know, Joe Biden every week he seems to be announcing new programs, uh, yeah. but the UK is announcing additional fiscal stimulus. Even if you're listening to me, Hall Martin last week he was giving the message that there won't be a cliff edge here. The fiscal stimulus will continue post June. There'll be ongoing supports for business. So governments are keenly aware that um, to, to assure the recovery sustained, it's yeah. not just good enough for economies to reopen, businesses will require ongoing support. So there'll be a gradual withdrawal of, of supports for households and businesses uh, as economies reopen. And you mentioned fiscal stimulus, but if we just flip it on to the monetary stimulus for a moment, Ollie, and just two things, because I mentioned at the start of the um, of the, the podcast about the, the Fed last week meeting, and you might just update our listeners what came out of that. But also, also I noticed the Bank of Canada had taken some action, which is probably uh, a little bit different to what we've seen elsewhere. And I just wonder, is there a trend that's going to come from that? Yeah, well, well let's first of all do with the Bank of Canada. Uh, it's the first of the major... Uh, central banks to move in terms of tightening policy, and while we, as you're, as we're well aware, you know rates have been cut to very very low levels, but central banks have also been providing massive additional stimulus by going out. It's called quantitative easing. Go out buying bonds, uh, reducing the yields on bonds. It allows governments to fund their budget deficits at very low levels, but it also injects a lot of cash into the system. But the the Bank of Canada is. Again, seeing stronger than expected growth, a quicker than expected recovery in activity. It also has got quite a buoyant housing market there as well. So it's actually moved in April to begin to tighten monetary policy. Now, it wasn't major tightening. It scaled back the uh, the amount of weekly bond purchases it makes from four to three billion. Uh, yeah. But it was the first central bank to do so. And the second thing it said is, we now think this recovery is going to be stronger than expected. So the spare capacity... Uh, that's in the economy, we think that'll be eliminated by the second half of next year and we'll start to increase interest rates at that stage. Now, it's the first of the central banks to say that. And looking at the indicators in Canada, they're not too different from uh, the forecasts from, from the US. That's interesting. We've we seen uh, both the ECB earlier last month, the Fed last week, emphasize that they're a long way from thinking of rolling back in terms of reducing the amount of asset purchase, scaling back the quantitative easing, never mind going to increase in interest rates. And they're saying it's it's very too much sorry, it's far too early for that conversation. And Christian Lagarde went as far as saying, well, we're going to be a long way after the Fed because obviously the recovery of the Eurozone is lagging. But from the Fed, the message was, you know, it's too early to be talking about that, you know, um, yeah. and we will signal we will signal well in advance. So I, I having said that um, given the way that the economy is picking up momentum, given the unemployment rate is down to 6% and falling rapidly, uh, I'd be surprised if we don't get signals from the Fed uh, over the summer that it will move to scale back uh, quantitative easing, scale back on its asset purchases, uh, if not by the end of this year, certainly yeah. by, the, by the early part of 2022. 
Well, then let me ask you then, um, as we move into, the, the, I suppose, the week ahead here, we've got the payrolls on Friday. I assume we're expecting another big number, Lolly. Yes, again, in terms of what I was saying there about the data picking up momentum over the course of quarter one, that certainly was true in the labour market as well. So there were sluggish enough figures in January, but by March, we got nearly a million of an increase in payrolls in the States, and another million is expected in April. I mean, that's very, very big increases in employment. But it simply reflects the economy is reopening. The services sector is reopening, the hospitality sector, the labour intensive. So, uh, and again, that'll push the unemployment rate lower. So it, it ties in with that message of activity rebounding more quickly than anticipated. So strong figures are expected from um, the US in terms of the labour market on Friday. And we have actually, these are for April, right? But yeah. we have weekly jobless claims and they've been trending lower uh, over the course of April as well. So we some sense that the labour market is improving from that weekly data. So if there was probably any event risk for the currency pair, that could be around the end of the week in relation to um, the payrolls. Yeah, well, the currency has settled down into range trading. And we've been saying that over the last month that we felt range trading maybe uh, in store for the currencies, be it the euro, sterling, euro, dollar, and what have you. So yeah. we're up just above 120, 121 there, and euro, dollar, sterling is around the 87p level. You know, what we're seeing here is, okay, the US may be ahead of others, but other economies now are catching up in terms of reopening, better data coming through. They're also catching up in terms of the pace of vaccination. I'm, I'm thinking about the, the EU economies in particular. And also, all central banks, apart from the Bank of Canada, are on the sidelines. They're saying we're not going to be moving policy anytime soon. We've met our moves. We've cut our rates. We've introduced our quantitative easing. And our this is our policy framework for most of this year. So on that basis... There's not much to drive the currency markets. Uh, and as a result, they have settled down into range trading over the past month or so. And that's likely to continue. Now, if you've got a blowout figure, for example, if you've got two million or something, that might knock the markets out of their slumber. But uh, you know that seems unlikely. So, But if, if, we're, if we're close to forecast or just above forecast, the markets are taking those figures in their stride. And as I say, the general pattern has been for data everywhere to come in ahead of expectations. So hence, it's not moving to any particular currency. Grand. And my last question then for you, Ollie. Uh, last week, we've seen Boris Johnson taking the main headlines in the UK for all the wrong reasons. But just in the week ahead, we have a Bank of England meeting. Anything to expect out of that? Well, They'll come with new forecasts. They, they, they bring new forecasts once a quarter. So we'll have the, we'll have the monetary policy report. But I think, um, again, the message from the Bank of England is going to be very much in line with the Fed and very much in line with the ECB, which is we need to maintain this monetary accommodation for a long period of time. Yeah. Uh, and we won't be, you know, our, our, here's our policy framework. We need to give the economy time to recover. I should have mentioned as well that inflation figures are picking up. We saw that this week, or sorry, last week in, in the uh in the US and in the Eurozone. But again, markets have been expecting that. And the central banks are saying, we know inflation is going to rise, but we think it'll be temporary. So we're not going to move policy in the back of that. Um, so again, the message from the Bank of England is we're on hold here. We're happy with our policy framework. We won't be policy, changing policy anytime soon. And on that basis, it's unlikely to move the currency. Yeah. Okay. Ollie, many thanks for the update. And a big thanks to our customers, colleagues, and listeners for joining us on this week's podcast. To stay up to date with the latest market developments, please subscribe to AB Market Talk wherever you get your podcasts. And for those customers impacted by the pandemic, you can find details of AIB support packages at www.aib.ie forward slash COVID-19. Many thanks. Thanks for listening to the latest edition of AIB Market Talk. 
Allied Irish Banks PLC is regulated by the Central Bank of Ireland. First Trust Bank is a trademark of AIB Group UK PLC, authorised by the Prudential Regulation Authority and regulated by the Financial Conduct Authority and the Prudential Regulation Authority. Allied Irish Bank GB and Allied Irish Bank GB Savings Direct are trademarks used under licence by AIB Group UK PLC, authorised by the Prudential Regulation Authority and regulated by the Financial Conduct Authority and the Prudential Regulation Authority.